All right. Good morning, everybody. So we are now in our sixth week in our Conversations with Jesus series, uh, where we've been looking at the places in the Gospels where Jesus has an actual dialogue with somebody or with a group of people. As was said already, last week we looked at an interesting conversation that has ramifications for how we relate to politics. And uh, if you missed that one, I do encourage you to go online and uh, listen to it. Uh, you might have heard reference a couple times to the podcast. And basically, if you don't know how that works, if you already listen to podcasts, you just need to go open up your podcast app on your phone and look up St. Paul's Church, Willington. And when you do that, you'll see our green, green acorn logo. And you can click on that. And you can actually... Uh, download any of the sermons that uh, have been given here over the last two and a half years, I think. So um, you, that's a good resource, too, if you ever hear something here that you think would be good to share with somebody, uh, maybe somebody who doesn't go to church and you think this would be a good thing for them to hear, well, that's one way that you can share that. So I encourage you to, to make use of that resource. So this week, we're looking at a conversation that doesn't really have anything to do with politics. Uh, it's a conversation that has to do with the idea of calling, of calling. Now, what do I mean by calling? That's one of those kind of churchy words. Uh, what I mean by calling is what God is leading you to do with the life he has gifted you with. What God is leading you to do with the life he's gifted you with. Now, I think a lot of us struggle with the question, what is my calling? And to be honest, I think we struggle with it a little bit more than we actually should. Because if we're talking about calling in a general sense, we should all already know what our calling is. Uh, in scripture, our calling is very clear. It's love the Lord your God with all, all your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. That's how Jesus summar summarizes the entire Old Testament law. Uh, your calling, your, in a general sense, is to love God and to love people. That is what you have been made to do. <clears throat> and uh, we do that, we love God and love people, by following Jesus, by following his example. And that's why for several years now, the mission of this church has been encapsulated with the phrase, more people, more like Jesus because we believe that every believer's calling is to become someone who's more like Jesus, to follow Jesus and follow his example of loving God and loving people. But even though our calling in a general sense is very clear, how we live out that calling is not always clear, right? It's easy to say, love God, love people, follow Jesus, that's what life is all about. But it's harder to say, well, what does it look like? What does it mean to love God and love people in terms of our careers, right? In terms of our marriages, our dating lives, our parenting choices, uh, our financial choices, and in every area of life. What does that actually look like? Now, the conversation that we're going to look at this, this morning uh, is not going to answer all of those questions uh, about how to live out our calling. But it does give us a few important foundational truths to remember when we're trying to determine how do I live out this calling of loving God and loving people. Important things to remember when we're asking the question, what do I do with this gift of life that God has given me? So, <laughs> I 
He's eager for uh, the bread of the Lord. Um, <laughs> so, the reason uh, this conversation is uh, good at answering these questions, these foundational questions about calling, is because it's all about the disciple Peter's calling. Uh, it's actually the very last uh, event in John's Gospel. So this takes place after Jesus has been crucified and after he's resurrected, but before he's ascended into heaven. And it's kind of a neat scene. You don't see it described in any of the other Gospels other than John. Uh, Jesus has just surprised the disciples by showing up uh, where they are on the beach, and he's helped them to catch a whole bunch of fish, and they have eaten breakfast together. And after they finish eating, he turns to Peter and he starts talking to Peter about his calling. So if you want to uh, follow along with this in your own Bible, you can turn to John 21, uh, starting in verse 15. John 21, verse 15. When they had finished eating, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me more than these? Yes, Lord, he said. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my lambs. Again, Jesus said, Simon, son of John, do you truly love me? He answered, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. Jesus said, take care of my sheep. The third time he said to him, Simon, son of John, do you love me? Peter was hurt because Jesus asked him the third time, do you love me? He said, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. Jesus said, feed my sheep. I tell you the truth. When you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. Jesus said this to indicate the kind of death by which Peter would glorify God. Then he said to him, follow me. Peter turned and saw that the disciple whom Jesus loved was following them. This was the one who had leaned back against Jesus at the supper and had said, Lord, who is going to betray you? When Peter saw him, he asked, Lord, what about him? Jesus answered, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what is that to you? You must follow me. All right, I believe that there are at least three things that we can learn about our callings through this conversation. So if you're taking notes on your outline, this is the first one. How God wants us to live out our calling is unique to each one of us. How God wants us to live out our calling is unique to each one of us. In other words, even though God calls each one of us to the same general calling, love God, love people, follow Jesus, the particulars of how he wants us to live out that calling in our lives are unique to each individual. So why do I say that? Well, let's talk about the example of Peter. We learn two things about Peter's calling in this conversation. The first one is that Jesus wants him to feed my lambs, right? And what that means is, Peter, I want you to be like a shepherd over my people. I want you to take care of the people who are trying to follow me. So Peter's being called to be a minister, right? He's being called to be a pastor. And secondly, um, part of the call on Peter's life 
is for him to die for his faith. Uh, that's what it says in verse 18. I tell you the truth, when you were younger, you dressed yourself and went where you wanted, but when you were old, you will stretch out your hands and someone else will dress you and lead you where you do not want to go. And what Jesus is probably describing here is death by crucifixion, right? The same kind of death that he suffered. Now, if I were doing a poor job of applying this passage for us, I would say something like, well, God's call on Peter's life was for him to be a pastor over his church and for him to die for his faith. So God's call for you on your life is to be a pastor and to die for your faith. But of course, it would be wrong of me to say that because I don't know how God wants you specifically to live out his call to love him, love people, and follow Jesus. It might involve being a pastor. It might even involve being a martyr, but it might not, right? I don't know. And this conversation makes it very, very clear that there is no universal formula for how God wants all of us to live out this call that he has on our lives. When Peter is told that he's going to be a martyr, his response is to look at one of the other disciples, at John, and say, well, what about him, Lord? In other words, is he going to be a martyr too? Am I the only one that's going to have to endure this? And Jesus' response, remember, was, well, if I want him to remain alive until I return, what's that to you? You must follow me. In other words, Peter, my plan for John, it might involve martyrdom, it might not. There's no guarantee that everyone's calling is going to be fulfilled in the same way. Your job is just to be obedient to whatever I'm leading you to do. You know, Jesus leads some people to be missionaries in foreign countries, but then he leads other people to serve him wherever they were born in the same town or state for their entire lives, right? He leads some people to be married, and he leads some people to be single. He leads some people to take up causes like helping to protect the environment, and some people to take up causes like uh, preventing homelessness. Uh, he leads some people to birth children, some people to adopt children, and some people never to have children. Because how he leads each one of us to live out our calling of loving God, loving people, and following him is unique to us. And maybe what I'm saying seems very, very obvious, but I think we can have certain unhealthy impulses that demonstrate that we don't actually believe this. And two of the unhealthy impulses are uh, worth identifying. So one of them is we have this tendency to assume that everyone should be living out their calling in exactly the same way as us. Um, so, don't get me wrong, okay? There are certain things that all of us, if we're followers of Jesus, we should be doing and not doing, right? But there's plenty of things that God may lead us to do that he doesn't lead all Christians to do. So, God may have led you at some point, he put this conviction on your heart to stop watching sports, and so you stopped watching sports. Or maybe he, he gave you a deep conviction that you really needed to stop drinking alcohol. And so you stopped drinking alcohol. Or maybe he put on your heart, you need to read the Bible for two hours every evening. That's what your soul needs right now. And so you're, you're going to do that. Or maybe you need to wake up at 5.30 a.m. every morning to spend some time in prayer. 
Or you need to cancel your Netflix subscription, you know? Or you know what? You need to run a marathon. It'd be good for you, good for your body and good for your soul. And if God put that conviction on your heart to do any of those things and you did them, that's great. But be very careful not to assume that everyone else who still watches sports or still drinks some alcohol or only reads their Bible for 20 minutes a day, you know, isn't being obedient to God. Because even if God led you to do those things, he doesn't necessarily lead all believers to do the same things because how his call is manifested in your life of loving him, loving people, and following Jesus is not always going to look the same. I think one good example of this is different views about how we interact with social media. Right? I know some Christians who have felt very convicted that their calling has been disrupted by things like Facebook and Twitter. They feel like Facebook and Twitter are not helping me at all to love God, love people, and follow Jesus. And so they have cut those things out of their, their lives. And they believe that that was absolutely the best thing for them. But then I know other Christians who feel convicted that they are using these social media platforms as ways to advocate for justice and truth and to influence and to speak prophetically in the public marketplace of ideas. And what we need to realize is that both of these groups, it is possible that both of these groups have people that are led by the Holy Spirit and are genuinely following God's call for how they are supposed to manifest loving God and loving people in the world. And if we're in one group, we shouldn't be judging the other. Okay? That's one example. And then a second unhealthy impulse that uh, reveals that sometimes we don't really think that God wants us to live out our calling in unique ways is comparing ourselves all the time to other people. Comparing ourselves to other people. Now, that's what Peter started to do here with John, right? Jesus told him he was going to die for his faith in the future, and his reaction was, well, what about John? You know, is he going to have to die? Because we all know what he was thinking, right? He was thinking, if John doesn't have to die too, that's not fair. And I can't fault him for thinking that way if that's what he was thinking. But Jesus' response reminds us that our, our priority needs to be following Jesus wherever he leads. We shouldn't be worrying about whether or not where he's leading other people is as fun or as easy or as hard as where he's leading us. You know, if how God wants to, us to live out our calling as an individual is unique to us, then we shouldn't be comparing ourselves to other people. In America, we have a tendency to think that a life that is well-lived looks something like this. You're born, you get educated, you pick a career, and you start making money. You fall in love, you get married, preferably before 30, but not before 25. Uh, you save a bunch of money, you buy a nice house, you have two kids and a dog and a nice lawn. Sometimes you go on fancy vacations. Uh, your kids get educated. They get careers. And then they get married. They have grandchildren who then come over occasionally and play in your nice, your nice yard, which by now is paid off. Okay? And for
for some people, that way of life is what God calls them to. And it's good, right? But a lot of us follow Jesus and our lives don't look like that at all, right? Some of us change careers multiple times throughout our lives. Some of us never really make good money, right? Um, some of us go back to school in our 30s or our 40s or beyond. Some of us don't get married before we're 30, right? Some of us don't get married at all. Some of us never have kids, right? Some of us have kids, but we never end up having grandkids. And some of us have terrible lawns. And, and some of us have no lawns at all, right? And if we're like Peter, when some part of our lives doesn't line up with the American dream, then we look over at someone else, just like Peter did with John, and we go, well, what about him, Lord? He got married. Why am I not married? Or what about her, Lord? She has kids. Why don't I have any kids? And when we do that, what we need to hear Jesus saying is, my son or my daughter, I love you. I've given my life for you. But please don't compare yourself to him or to her because I have a unique way for you to fulfill my calling in your life. Don't worry about them. Keep your eyes on me. Follow me. Now, regardless of whether your life matches the American dream or not, you have to remember that the fundamental calling on your life is not the American dream. Right? It's following Jesus. It's loving God. It's loving people. And there's a lot of ways to do that that don't look anything like the American dream. So case in point, Jesus, crucified at 33 years old, never married, no kids, no place to lay his head. That's not the American dream. But did he love God? Did he love people? Yeah. He did that better than anyone ever has. So he fulfilled his calling, even though he didn't fulfill the American dream at all. So I said there were three things that we can learn about our callings through this conversation. So we just covered the first one. What's the second one? The second one's a fun one. The second one is living out our calling doesn't exempt us from suffering and sacrifice. Not, not exactly the feel-good message that you come to church hoping to hear, but uh, I think it's important for us to, to recognize this. See, if people like me aren't careful, we can give the impression that the reason we should follow Jesus is because when you follow, follow Jesus, everything in life just becomes great. It becomes easy. He fixes everything, you know? And maybe your life doesn't look like the American dream right now, but if you follow Jesus, just wait. Then it will. But Jesus doesn't give any promises like that, right? He certainly doesn't give any promises like that to Peter, right? He says to Peter, when you're older, you're going to be executed for your faith. Right? That doesn't sound like the American dream. And then he has the audacity to follow that up by saying, follow me. Right? I think it's funny how in the NIV it has an exclamation mark. You know? It's just like, come and die. Follow me. Right? <laughs> Jesus isn't the least bit interested in marketing himself, where, 
he, well here. He does, he does a terrible job of that, right? But he says, follow me anyway. Now, you know, God doesn't call many of us in 21st century America to die for our faith. I think he calls us to be willing, which is very hard to do. But he, we don't usually end up in that situation. But God does call us to do hard things, right? He calls us to be willing to do what's right, even when it's not profitable, right? Or even when it's not popular. Uh, he calls us to be generous. He calls us to be patient. He calls us to be forgiving. He calls us to love our enemies. He calls us to turn from things like greed and lust and laziness and fear. And none of that is easy at all. Right? It involves, it involves suffering. It involves sacrifice. And part of God's calling on our lives is to be willing to experience that suffering and that sacrifice. But the good news is this. It's worth it. Right? You know, God doesn't call us to suffering and sacrifice because he's some kind of masochist who just loves pain. I think we can fall into a trap sometimes of thinking that God's like that, that God just loves pain for pain's sake. It's good for you, pain. You know? but, but he's not like that. He's never about pain just for the sake of pain. When God calls us to suffering and sacrifice, it's because there's something to be gained through that. And you know, Jesus is the most perfect example of this, right? Because when Jesus went to the cross, why did he go to the cross? Did he go to the cross because he was looking forward to the pain? Did he go because pain is good for you, right? No, the scripture says that Jesus went to the cross for the joy set before him because he knew that there was something on the other side of that pain that was worth it because he knew that through that suffering, he would be able to give us eternal life. Right? He would be able to repair the broken creation that he loves so, so much. It, it, it's kind of like a woman choosing to have a child. Right? Like No woman I know of chooses to have a child because she's excited about the pains involved with carrying that child for nine months and then birthing that child. Right? That's, never like, that's never the goal. Right? But the reason a woman chooses to have a child is because of the joy set before her, because of what lies on the other side of that pain, the life of the child. And similarly, when Jesus calls us to suffer and sacrifice in our lives, it's not because he, he loves pain, it's not because he wants us to just indulge ourselves in all this suffering, right? It's because there's something on the other side of that pain that's worth it. You know, for example, it might be really hard to follow God's uh, command to be generous, right? In the short term, that might hurt you. It might hurt your wallet. might hurt your ability to buy all the luxurious things that you might have in mind that you want, right? But in the long run, you become free, right? When, when you turn from greed and you turn towards generosity, there's a blessing in the experience of generosity that you can never know when you're holding on to greed. There's a blessing and freedom that comes from not being obsessed over the size of your bank account that you can never experience until you've turned from greed to generosity. But it's not, it's not until we're willing to suffer and sacrifice that we experience that blessing that's on the other side of the pain. So we shouldn't expect 
an easy life if we're following our calling, right? It's a good life, it's the best life, but easy? Right? Probably not. Suffering and sacrifice are part of the program that might not sell well, but it's the truth. So finally, this conversation teaches us one more thing about our callings, and this is my favorite one. It teaches us that God doesn't give up on us fulfilling our calling. Now, I don't know how familiar you are with Peter's story. We talked about it, I think it was back in April. It's worth talking about again. Peter had been told by Jesus that he was the supposed to be the cornerstone of his church, right? Jesus gave Peter a calling. He said, you are going to be the cornerstone of the church. In other words, you are going to be like a foundation for the church, a rock upon which I am going to build my church. But a few days before this conversation occurred, the one who was supposed to be a rock was like sand, right? Because Peter denied that he even knew Jesus. He denied that he knew him three times. And to add insult to injury, Peter did this after Jesus had told him, you're going to deny me. And then Peter had responded by saying, no, I absolutely will not. In fact, I would rather die than deny you. And then he did it anyway. And not only did he deny Jesus three times, but he even went so far as to say, may God curse me if I'm lying, which of course he was, right? He literally was like, God, damn me if I'm lying. And then he lied. Three times. But here we see that God has not damned him. Right? God has not cursed him, despite his request. Days ago, Peter had failed miserably to live up to his calling as the cornerstone of the church. But even so, here we are, post-resurrection, and Jesus is reaffirming Peter's calling as a cornerstone of the church. Feed my lambs, he says. Feed my sheep. Be a shepherd. Be the cornerstone of the church. You might have wondered, well, why does Jesus ask Peter this same question, do you love me, three times? And why uh, does he repeat the same thing, feed my sheep, three times? Why, why does he do that? Well, it's not because it, he's forgetful. Right? It's not because he's hard of, he, of hearing. It's because a few days ago, Peter denied Jesus three times. And so what Jesus is doing here is he's giving Peter an opportunity to undo that previous denial. He's giving him an opportunity to renounce those three, de three denials by affirming his love for Jesus three times. And Jesus is showing that he hasn't given up on Peter's unique calling because he repeats that calling three times. Right? Feed my lambs, take care of my sheep, feed my sheep. And here's what I want us to realize this morning. Okay, we need to realize that just as God refused to give up on the calling on Peter's life, he refuses to give up on his calling on our lives too. He doesn't give up. You know, this morning you might feel like you have totally failed at fulfilling God's call on your life, both in a general sense, 
just loving God, loving people, following Jesus. You might feel, I've totally failed at that. And in a specific sense, you might feel like whatever unique way God has called me to express my love for him and, and love for people, I haven't followed that. I've just, I've just completely messed it up. But if you feel that way, you need to look at, Jesus's, at Peter's example here and realize it's not too late for you. Right? As long as you are still breathing, God still wants to see his calling fulfilled in your life. Every day that you're alive, every moment that you're breathing is another opportunity for you to become more like Jesus. It's another opportunity, no matter how many times you messed up the previous days, today is an opportunity to become more like Jesus, to fulfill the calling that he has on your life. You know, and he might not be calling you to be a leader in the church like he did to Peter. He's probably not calling you to die for the faith like he did to Peter. But I bet there's something that he keeps saying to you. You know, something like, feed my lambs, feed my lambs, feed my lambs. And he's tenacious about saying that even if you keep failing to do it. And I don't know what that is. Maybe you need to get alone and sit with your thoughts for a while and think about it. What is it that God might have been saying to me, tenaciously saying to me, even though I keep messing up? You know, maybe it's something like, teach those kids. Teach those kids. Or write that book. Write that book. You know, maybe it's something simple like, care for your spouse. Care for your spouse. Or maybe it's, Study that problem that no one's found a solution for. You know, I don't know what it is, but whatever it is, even if you haven't been doing it, even if you've messed up like Peter, God's still calling you to it. Because he doesn't give up on seeing his calling for us made a reality. So trust him, follow him, don't compare yourself to others, just walk towards him and listen to that voice. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you for the gift of life that you've given to each one of us. And Lord, we want to make the most of this life that you've gifted us with, Lord. We want to follow your calling. Lord, I pray that you would help each one of us to know how it is that you want us to live out loving you and loving people and following Jesus. And Lord, I pray that as we do that, you would fill us with joy, even in the midst of any suffering or sacrifice that we might have to make, Lord. Father, I, I pray that you would direct our steps, that you would give us wisdom every day to recognize our unique calling. And I pray that you would help us to be sensitive to whatever uh, calling your, your voice is affirming over and over again to us, Lord, and to be faithful to follow it. We thank you, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen.